0: Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, September 18th. Here's today's big idea. The reading list that helped Hillary Clinton cope. If I had to stock Clinton's new memoir in a bookstore, I'd be tempted to place it in a section on self-help or bereavement. What Happened, the name of the book, was quickly mined last week for political nuggets. As I went through it over the weekend, though, what struck me most was how the wounded Democrat coped with her crushing defeat after last November. In short, and this was surprising, Clinton has read. She has read voraciously and eclectically, for escape, for solace, and for answers. The collection of works that she cites across 500 pages is a fascinating window into her healing process. She writes early on that friends advised her on the power of Xanax and raved about their amazing therapists. But that wasn't for me, she says. Instead, quote, I did yoga, I drank my share of Chardonnay, and I tried to lose myself in books. At first, Clinton turned to mystery novels in a bid to escape the election. To keep her failure in perspective, she then looked at literature. Clinton thought instead about how good she still has it compared to Fantine in Victor Hugo's Les Mis. She resolved that she doesn't want to spend the rest of her life like Miss Havisham from Charles Dickens's Great Expectations sitting around her house stewing. She also read a lot of religious texts. She reread The Return of the Prodigal Son by a Dutch priest named Henri Nouwen to answer the question that animates her book, what happened? How did she lose the election in other words? She read books like Hillbilly Elegy and reached even further back to Democracy in America which Alexis de Tocqueville wrote in the 1830s. She's also apparently referenced a book called On Tyranny, which was written earlier this year by a Yale history professor with lessons from tyrannical regimes in the 20th century. Clinton says she's had to do a lot of fake smiling since November. She said her go to line when people ask how she's doing is, It'll be okay, but right now it's really hard. If she's feeling really defiant, though, she'll respond, Bloody, but unbowed. That's a phrase from Invictus, a poem by the 19th century English poet William Ernest Henley. It's no coincidence that it was also one of Nelson Mandela's favorites. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the Trump administration escalated its rhetoric against North Korea on Sunday, warning that time is running out for a peaceful solution between Kim Jong-un's regime and the United States and its allies. Trump's top aides emphasized that the administration is examining all diplomatic measures to rein in Pyongyang, but they made clear that military options remain on the table. The question remains how realistic the Trump administration's threats are as the North quickly advances its nuclear and ballistic missile capabilities. Trump is scheduled to meet Moon Jae-in and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe at a working lunch on Thursday in New York to discuss North Korea. This week is the United Nations General Assembly, so foreign policy will be at the forefront. Number two, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke has recommended that President Trump modify 10 national monuments created by his predecessors, including shrinking the boundaries of at least four sites in the West. My colleague, Juliet Eilperin, exclusively obtained the report. It was leaked to her, but we don't know still the exact reductions for the four protected areas Zinke would have Trump narrow. The Secretary's set of recommendations also emphasizes that the administration should permit traditional uses now restricted within the monument's boundaries. In real-world terms, what that means is letting grazing, logging, commercial fishing, and even coal mining happen in protected national monuments. If enacted, these changes could test the legal boundaries of what powers a president holds under the 1906 Antiquities Act. Although Congress can alter national monuments easily through legislation, presidents have reduced their boundaries only on very rare occasions. Number three, Senate Republican leaders seem increasingly focused on reviving their effort to undo the Affordable Care Act before the end of this month. Republicans have asked Congress's nonpartisan budget analysts, the Congressional Budget Office, to fast-track consideration of a plan that would devolve almost all federal health care spending to the states. The measure now being looked at very seriously is sponsored by Lindsey Graham and Bill Cassidy, two Republicans. Republicans are under a time crunch here because the Senate's ability to pass budgetary legislation with a simple majority expires on September 30th. Democrats are taking this new chatter very seriously. Liberal lawmakers spent the weekend slamming the bill on social media. Meanwhile, conservative groups like Americans for Prosperity have thus far kept fairly quiet about this health bill. They're focused on trying to overhaul the tax code. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, September 18th. You can read much more at WashingtonPost.com slash Daily 202. I'm James Holman, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.